just do what we ask you to do. Let's not take that on. <laughs> sure. Let's don't do these things. And you and I had even talked about the Seth Godin book, The Icarus Deception. Right. You know, the, the warning is if you aim too high, your wax wings will melt when you get too close to the sun. Mm-hmm. But also if you aim too low, you'll get caught in the waves. And so it was The Icarus Deception is about this temptation to mediocrity. And I felt like I was in this world that wanted me to stay mediocre. Don't be too good. Don't be too bad. Just stay in the sweet spot, earn your money, and go home and do something meaningful. Mm-hmm. And that just never worked for me. You're listening to Lead Through Values, where America's Chief Culture Officer, James Mayhew, helps you create a high-performance workplace by building strong leaders, enhancing communication, and accelerating productivity. And now, here's your host, James Mayhew. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of Lead Through Values. This is James Mayhew, and I am your host and America's Chief Culture Officer. Today on the episode, I am joined by a really fun guest again. Man, I'm just getting blessed with having great people lined up here, and, and I hope you're enjoying them. Uh, the guest today, uh, I am very proud to announce, is Mr. Mike Henry Sr. And the theme for today on this podcast, the way we're going to dive right into things, is in just a few minutes, you're going to hear us talk about what it means to aim high. But you know, What's going to be really interesting about this is that, uh, you know, Mike is a faith based leader and he's created a website called Follower of One. And uh, if you listen to me regularly, you, you probably know that I'm a faith based guy, too. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is what happens and, and how do we feel confined or trapped or limited when we're aiming too low and you have a desire to do something more. And there's a certain uh, energy that comes from when you serve and when you just have this, uh, uh, this, those limits being removed. And so that's really the gist of the conversation today. I'm so excited for you to, uh, to experience Mike. And it, it's really the first super in-depth conversation that I've also had with him. And I think I found like a, a lifelong friend out of this and, and, uh, the wisdom that Mike is going to share through this podcast I hope it makes a difference in your life. So before we jump into the podcast, let me introduce you to Mike's background here. Mike began Follower of One to help every Marketplace Christ follower experience the joy of working with Jesus. Follower of One is a global community for individuals who follow Jesus and want their life to matter. He desires to help every workplace believer intentionally follow Jesus full-time, regardless of their position on an organizational chart. Prior to Follower of One, Mike was vice president for a nationwide technology service provider, and before that, he worked in several industries, including financial services, energy, and telecommunications. Mike and his wife, Vicki, reside in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. They have two adult children, two children-in-law, and three grandchildren. We were just talking before we hit the record button here, how, how quickly conversations with us can just mm-hmm. go from superficial, right? To depth and to substance. What are we called to do? And what are those gifts that we've been mm-hmm. given to do? And, and what happens when we're aiming too low versus when we can step into what those gifts are in, in, in this deep capacity. Exactly. So I, I would love for you just to introduce yourself, uh, you know, a minute, and then just dive right into talking about the aiming high. Certainly. My name is Mike Henry Sr. And I've launched a ministry called Follower of One. Uh, It's designed to help workplace Christians integrate their faith in their work. And it came out of my uh, 40 some odd years, just over 40 years of struggle in my career after I graduated from college. So I'm getting to be an old guy. But my struggle came about because I felt like there was more to life than just making money. And so many of the places where I worked, it was just do your job or just make money. And I wanted to be about something more than that. And I, I struggled with that and changed jobs several times. Some was initiated by me. A few were initiated by my employer. And um, I just learned a lot of things. And I'm enjoying the fact that when I integrate my faith into what I do on a daily basis, the elevation, my trajectory elevates immediately because I'm doing things on behalf of my relationship with Jesus, but also 
he calls me to do things for other people. And when we do things for other people, I think we elevate our, our activity. I love that word elevate. I, I absolutely love that word. I actually have used that for a, uh, a training program, um, that, that I've done before. So no, that's so good. Um, so let's talk about that then when, when we're aiming high versus aiming low and tell me about that path that you kind of went through, um, that was, you know, feeling miserable and stuck. And, and I'd love for you just to kind of set the stage and, and tell the story behind that. Yeah. And, uh, we'll just go from there. Yeah, well, I, I, I used to tell people that I was career challenged, that if you looked up career challenges in the dictionary, it would say, see Mike Henry. And uh, it was because when I graduated from college, I, you know, I thought I was the smartest guy on the planet, although I had majored in fraternity for five and a half years and had like a 2.8 GPA. I couldn't figure <laughs> out why people wouldn't hire me. Sure. And, <laughs> and every job that I took paid a little more money, but I liked it less. And over about five or six years, it was really getting on my nerves that my career was just going in the wrong direction. And I started searching for what would make a difference. My boss just wanted me to shut up and do what he said. And it was my dad. I was actually back working in the family business. My wife uh, was a Christ follower, and I was kind of mistaken about my relationship with Jesus. I tell people that you hear stories about being a born in America, um, born again Christian. I was a born in America Christian. I wasn't Jewish. Mm. I hadn't killed anybody, and I was born in America, so I thought I was a Christian. Uh -huh. And um, she wanted me to go to church. My father and my workplace wanted me to just shut up and do what they said. And I couldn't tell them no. So I decided I would go to church and check it out. And if my wife, if it didn't work for me, I would just tell my wife, no, I'm not going back. And that fall, they had a man come and teach a workshop on how you could know, show someone else using the Bible, how they could know for a fact that they were going to heaven. And I went to this workshop and learned about salvation actually being something that God does. Jesus paid the price for my sins and guarantees my ticket to heaven and calls me to live differently as a result, which was way different than what I was thinking. And so in one Saturday afternoon, I'm totally changed. My worldview just totally shifted. Hmm. But I had the same job I had to go back to on Monday. And for that job and for many jobs after that, I kept trying to try to elevate my purpose. I wanted to be about something more than just making money. My faith gave me this opportunity to do something that could, in fact, last forever. I believe that when I bless other people and help them move one notch closer to Jesus, I think that matters forever. And so I wanted to start doing that more, but in the context of my job. And so I started having these challenges with each of my companies because it wouldn't, it, the, every, eventually it was just do, just do what we ask you to do. Let's not take that on. <laughs> sure. Let's don't do these things. And you and I had even talked about the Seth Godin book, the Icarus deception. Right. You know, the, the warning is if you aim too high, your wax wings will melt when you get too close to the sun. Mm -hmm. But also if you aim too low, you'll get, caught in the waves. And so it was the Icarus deception is about this temptation to mediocrity. And I felt like I was in this world that wanted me to stay mediocre. Don't be too good. Don't be too bad. Just stay in the sweet spot, earn your money and go home and do something meaningful. Mm -hmm. And that just never worked for me. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a really interesting way that you express that because uh the temptation of mediocrity i do believe that in a lot of ways that is the american way right yeah. uh uh and that's probably gonna be controversial that that statement i just made might upset some people they might get frustrated or even angry at me but i do believe that that there are times when we settle for good enough mm -hmm. and it's just too easy to fall back into our into the comfort and convenience yeah. and and not listen to those things that are happening inside, you know, the, what I call the center of our body, right? That's our soul. Mm -hmm. Like what's emanating from your heart. 
And, um, you know, I had my own decision to make several years ago, and it was to pursue something that I could not quiet inside my soul. Yeah. And I knew that if I didn't pursue it, that I would have regret. And that is a big fear of mine. I don't want to live with regrets. And the other fear is that I don't want to dishonor my Lord, my Savior by, yeah. by playing small. And mm-hmm. so this is my attempt to do this. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, it has been filled with failure. It has been filled with trials and some broken relationships, mistakes, but it's also been filled with excitement and new relationships mm-hmm. and yeah. growth and all of these things. And I, so this is why just when you said aiming higher and feeling, mm-hmm. you know, how we can be miserable in places like we're not, life's too short to be miserable, Mike. That's, Correct. that's uh, for sure. <laughs> Correct. Uh, you, you talked about finding new energy, the higher we aim. What, what do you mean by that? Well, so this actually is something that I, I felt like I discovered through my, I did a lot of IT project management and the more compelling the vision is the greater it's pull. Hmm. So it pulls us harder to do greater things. Often, I think when we when we're just doing something for ourselves, that's one thing. If we're doing something that serves other people, that's another gear altogether. We actually find a new gear and we start to do something because it's outside of us. It's bigger than we are. We're aiming for something bigger than we are. Often those bigger things benefit more people. Hmm. When we that's part of the reason why I think. Christianity is so fits the way the world works is because the call is to serve others. When we get outside of ourselves and when we're serving others, we're doing what Jesus wants us to do, but we also find this energy to do things that we didn't think we could do. And that's what I talk about. The elevation of the purpose has to do with the closeness of the people that we serve or the number of the people that we serve. Something makes it higher. The, you know, when I serve my family, that's more important than when I just am serving myself or when I serve my neighbors or my community or the country that I live in, then I'm doing something that generally gives me more energy. At least it does for me. And so I think as we elevate purpose, we become more mobile. We find new energy. We're pulled into the future a little harder. I love that. You know, you've talked a lot about faith at work and being able to live out your faith. And um, what are some what are some ways that you share with others about how to do that better? Uh, Because that that can be difficult Uh, if you own your own business and you're the head guy or 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 head gal, you have the opportunity to make some of those decisions. Uh, If you don't, it can be a little bit of a challenge. And um, so, so what are some tips? What are, what are some advice? What are some coaching guidelines that you would give people that want to exercise their Christianity, their faith-based life at work? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. So for most of the last probably 30 years, most of people talking about faith at work, the conversation gets a little more in-depth and you find out that it requires you to have some discretionary time. Right. That if you you need to be a CEO or an executive or an entrepreneur so that you can cram your faith into the cracks in your calendar type of thing. And I never liked those answers. I always worked for somebody else. I was always on someone else's schedule. And I had goals and objectives that weren't necessarily set by me or directed by me. I couldn't change them. And so... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, I was just, uh, I'll, I'll just add this real quick. It is sure. interesting because you notice when people are living out their faith without mm-hmm. them ever having to tell you, you, you can pick it up because of the decisions they make, the way they treat people, the way they respond to circumstances. Right. And maybe that's where you yeah. exactly where you were going. Exactly. Well, and that's, so I realized that the first lesson that I learned, so it took me, it took me several years, but I came up with five things that I believe we can all do every day that put us on mission with Jesus. I, I say on mission or put that in air quotes. Yeah. But we join his process and his purposes when we do these five things. The first one is to pray. 
And the first prayer that we often talk about is the prayer, okay, Jesus, here I am. I talk about punching in. I clock in with the prayer, here I am, Jesus. What do you want me to do today? I want to do what you have for me to do. Hmm. That one action puts me on his time clock working for him. My, my job in college was to work loading trucks, loading and unloading trucks at the trucking company. And you would go in and clock in and they'd hand you a stack of bills and tell you to go load this truck or go unload this truck. And, you know, then when you got done with that stack, you'd come back and they'd give you another one, right? Well, I'm going to clock in and my first appointment on my calendar today, that's my assignment. That's my first stack of bills. Hmm. What am I doing to help this person? What can I do to benefit this person or serve them? And um, it puts me you know, on the clock. The, uh, we talk also about praying for people, praying for the people around us. Because if, if I pray for someone, I've done really the most powerful thing I can do. Uh, getting God involved or trying to join God in what he's doing in that person's life has got to be more effective and more powerful than anything that I might do. Now, if I buy them a donut or do something to help them or pay attention to them, that helps also. We tend to think about those tangible things, but when I can get doing the same thing that the God of the universe is doing, I think that's the most powerful thing. Mm. So first thing was pray. Second is appreciate others. We just don't do that enough. And that's, um, you know, the Bible tells us to love others as we would love ourselves. That's what I mean. But it means just actively caring for other people. The you know, third on, thing is... On that note, real quick, yeah. like with appreciation, in the workplace, what I have found is that is one of the most overlooked opportunities to give helpful exactly. and meaningful impact or uh, feedback. I'm sorry. You create impact by giving feedback. And one of the ways that we, we tend to give feedback and why people are cringy about, about feedback when somebody says, Hey, I need to let you know something is because we, we all always, we assume it's going to go critical. Well, yeah. Maybe one of the shifts that you can make is that it's not just it's critical that it's constructive. This is about helping you get better. Yeah. But man, when you can catch somebody doing something good and recognize them in that same way that it's specific, it's timely, and it was honest. Like that is a a very underutilized tool to develop people. Absolutely, and I think often we um, I make myself a judge of something too quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, I one of the things I read a long time ago in a book by Andy Andrews, one of the characters said, "All unsolicited advice is received as criticism." And so I had to remember that if I initiate the conversation, it needs to be good. It needs to be something they wanted to hear. (laughs) That's powerful. Because if I call it advice, it's probably going to be heard as criticism. Right. And my kids and several other people right now are making faces as they listen to this (laughs) podcast because I don't do it very well, but I would like to. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, Number three. So number three was know what you believe. And this is the piece that I think was a twist. I actually did a survey of believers in the marketplace and I wasn't very scientific and I didn't ask good questions that led to statistics necessarily. But what I determined was, is that we don't really know what to say in the marketplace. So we do something for someone because we, because we felt like that's what God wanted us to do. And then they say, oh, well, thank you very much. That was really special. And we go, oh, it was nothing. Right. In fact, what often happens is is that people will ask us, why are you doing this? Why did you go out of your way to help me? And we have this one or two sentence window where we can actually introduce Jesus as part of our motivation. Mm. And so know what you believe means practice being able to answer the question, why are you doing this in such a way that they know that Jesus was part of your motivation? That's it. You don't, you're not trying to force him into every conversation. You just want to let them know that your motives are based on a different model than the rest of the world. That's outstanding. And again, as a, as a faith-based guy, I miss that opportunity all the time. Uh, Or, you know, this is the thing that's very convicting is that not only do I miss it, it's, it's that I ignore it. I mean, you know, maybe there's that little nudge you feel, but you're worried that you might, um, offend somebody or make them upset with you. And it's, and it's, and it's an irrational fear. It really is. Uh, but, but I know I'm missing those opportunities. I love that. 
Yeah, and what I found is that with practice, two sentences that basically say, well, I'm glad that was beneficial to you. I did that because I'm a Jesus follower, and I just felt like that's what he wanted me to do. That's when great. I started trusting Jesus, it changed my life. That's the end of the conversation. I'm not forcing my religion into the workplace, for sure. trying to manipulate right. a conversation in any way, shape, or form. And um, well, it's, it's just the, kind of matter of fact. It's matter of fact, and it strikes me as just honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Exactly. The last thing that you ever want to be as a Christian is known as being dishonest, right? Exactly. And and I think there are times that we can be. Uh, we, we can overdo humility and it becomes like fake humility. People yes. pick that up. They know it's not real and that's not trustworthy. That's not honest. No, that's exactly right. Hmm. Um, let's see. So the third is know what you believe. The fourth one is serve others. When we start praying for people, uh, Jesus puts us to work. I mean, when you get on the clock, he's not going to let you stand around and take a break. He starts giving <laughs> you opportunities. You'll start seeing things that need to be done. Sure. And so... <laughs> Just like my old bosses did. Oh, what are you doing? You need a stack of bills here. Get to work. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what God does. And mm-hmm. then we just find ways to do things for people. We do encourage people not to steal time from their employer, right? You have to make sure that the things that you do for others that are outside of your job description are not really done at your employer's expense. But once you do that, then you're free to take out of your personal time. Or we actually challenge people even to come to work early and get their work done ahead of schedule so that they can be interrupted and they're not so pushed. But that's crazy talk. That's uncommon. Exactly. The whole point (laughs) being, people go, why are you doing this? Why are you coming in early? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, but if my reason is because I want to be available for whatever stack of bills Jesus wants to give me today, then that's what I'm doing. Mm. And, uh, and so that's the fourth thing is serve others. And then the fifth one is based on first Peter three fifteen. We call it speak for yourself. We just coach people t- because in these first four daily activities, we don't have to say a word. We practice what we were saying, what we were going to say in three Now, in five, what we want to do and speak for yourself is when someone does ask, I want to make sure that I use I and me statements. I'm not trying to tell them how to live. I'm not here to fix them. I'm just telling them why I did what I did. I'm answering the question I was asked. And then I trust God to pique their curiosity and invite them into deepening the discussion and things like that. But at the point at which I was faithful to tell the truth, like you said, about my motives, I did my job. Jesus is the one who can prompt them to ask another question. I don't have to, I don't feel any need to try and engineer a conversation or turn a discussion about the water cooler into some gospel presentation or something like that. And it's based on 1 Peter 3.15, where he says that we're to give a defense to everyone who asks. And that's, so that's where I go with this. There are other places where I think we're supposed to initiate a conversation, but in the day-to-day, everyday normal of work, often it's just responding to the questions. There's a maturity that, that uh, I see in you that, that I am uh, hoping that I have at some point, you know, when, when you have, when you're talking about, you know, these experiences, you're talking about these situations and, um, uh, it, it's refreshing. Again, I, I would use the word that it's uncommon. And so when things are uncommon, uh, they stand out and in this, this level of maturity or this, this, uh, I think this is, I'm going to introduce a phrase to you. Uh, my listeners have heard me say it before, uh, but it was from a pastor friend of mine. And I don't think mm-hmm. I shared this with you yet, Mike, but it's it's this concept of having confidence covered by humility. And uh-huh. every time I'm in the training room or every time I'm working with a coaching client, uh, I ask them to write it. And I, and I say, mm-hmm. write it this way. You're going to write the word confidence in all caps. Now give yourself some room above it because I want you to draw basically an arc, an umbrella mm-hmm. above it. And in little letters, lowercase letters, I want you to write the word humility. Mm-hmm. And so when you visually see it, what you're remembering is that it needs to be confidence covered by humility. 
And that ratio is different. It's always in flux. There are yeah. times when I need to have more confidence and there are times when mm -hmm. I need to take a back seat and I need to have more humility. And that could change mm -hmm. on a day to day. I actually believe that it can change on an hourly or maybe even a minute by minute basis. There's always some flux to it. And uh, it, again, I'm saying that because it's a great reminder to share it as, as often as I can. Yeah. But but also that's what I'm seeing and hearing. And that's ultimately what I want people to to notice in me is that there is a confidence and the confidence doesn't come from me. It comes from Jesus and mm -hmm. and the humility also does like left yeah. to me. I'm not that good. I am. I, I'm broken. I, I'm in fact, not as that I'm not that good. I'm just downright bad. You know, right. and and this um, I was 33 when my relationship with him started. And yeah. uh, so it came later in life for me. But it was a it was a game changer. It was mm -hmm. like an overnight uh, change. So people that knew me when I was in my 20s, they might have said, hey, James is a good guy. And and yeah. I would take that. Right. Uh, but but the difference of of whose I am and knowing my position now has has really uh I don't even know if I would be here today. I have said that before. I don't know yeah. that I would be here. I wouldn't be sitting in front of you having this conversation guaranteed. Yeah. But I don't know that I would be here. I don't know that I would be married yeah. still yeah. without that. I piece. agree. Yeah. I was 30 when it happened. So when yeah. I trusted him. And so I had to get used to the fact that I had spent the first 30 years of my life wrong. And I've spent the remaining 34 years of my life wrong too. I'm just <laughs> wrong differently now. I'm faster to recognize it and a little more open to the fact that, you know, this isn't, I didn't create this world. So fortunately, Jesus gives me the ability to be some degree wrong. And, and grace is a wonderful, beautiful thing, as is, is mercy. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Well, Maybe let's take a little shift here. Let's talk about some of the work history that you had. You, you alluded to sure. it earlier, uh, but some of the notes that I had, it says um, there was a point in your career where you felt like you were expecting more from from the company than than maybe the bosses were. I don't know if I'm phrasing that necessarily right, but I, I know that you had some higher expectations. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about that, Mike. Well, actually, part of the reason why I formed Follower of One was to just be around a community of people that wanted their daily life to matter for eternity. Almost every business that I ever worked for, the business owners wanted the business to be profitable. They wanted, for a lot of reasons, they wanted to help people make a living. And there's a lot of great things that happen from when a business is profitable in a non-toxic way. Hmm. Many of the employers I worked for were really great people. But the profitability of the business and the well-being of the members and the people associated with the business or the customers or whoever was their highest goal. Mm -hmm. And I realized that my values were always just a little askew of the, the owners. And I struggled because I'm part of this is probably a little bit of my entrepreneurial nature too. I never, uh, started my own business successfully for in a for-profit model. Now, the nonprofit that we have is a business that I started, and I believe it's becoming very successful in mobilizing believers in the workplace. We still wrestle with how we raise enough money to do those things. And so uh, it's just kind of interesting, though, I felt like the, all the jobs, I always found more energy to go for bigger things. Mm -hmm. And at some point it was like, no, this is all we want to do. We, you know, we just need, we need to make this profit here. We need to create this situation here. We want to be this good at these things. And, um, and I tr hope I did a good job for my employers. I was laid off three times and I was let go twice. And I do some, I do some career counseling with people from time to time. Mm -hmm. And so I'd even count it up. I worked for 31 different people at 16 different companies in my career. That's, I mean, yeah, that's I changed remarkable. a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I hope that most people got their money's worth out of it and those types of things. But my truest joy comes from aiming higher. And so I've had a lot of fun in the nonprofit for the last four years because I've been choosing the trajectory or the Lord has. So let me drop a quote to you. Sure. This is not my quote. I will tell you exactly who said this to me. 
Uh, but I want to give you a little context and also let you know that I messaged this to somebody this morning who was going through what I would call a, a career low point, you know, or a mm-hmm. low point, one of the low points that you'll have mm-hmm. in your career. I, you know, I'm definitely not going to say who that person was, but I just noticed something, uh, sent them a private message through LinkedIn. Uh, and the person that said it to me, uh, his name is Lowell Adrian. And mm-hmm. I was seated at a table in 2019 in Denver uh, at Youth for Christ National, right? So that's yeah. the home office out there mm-hmm. in Denver. I was at a table where I had no business being involved at. Uh, you know, the people around the table were amazingly successful, amazingly mm-hmm. mature, mature in their faith. Uh, their net worths were magnitudes of order beyond mine. And here I am. And yeah. um, it was intimidating, but but also a, a, a really incredible experience. Lowell sitting across from me and just then to my left. So like the 11 mm-hmm. o'clock position across the, the table uh-huh. from me. He says, I have a humble calling to an extravagant call. Exactly. What, what have you ever heard anybody or have you used a you know a phrase or language like that before because I hadn't and I went that is amazing. I just it just lit me up. It brought tears to my eyes. Yes. Yes. Is well, that how all, you feel about what follower of one for you is is this humble calling to something extravagant, you know, because it, the extravagant call isn't about us. That's a that's the higher power part. Exactly. Well, and I think I think when we connect, so I believe when we connect to Jesus and when we're, we integrate our faith into what we do every day, we can find his extravagance in these things. Uh, I think follower of one is one of those things that he kind of pinned on my back. I Hmm. haven't been able to get rid of it. Hmm. Um, It's like the the day after I became a believer, I mean, I was totally obsessed with the fact that I didn't want to do the job that I had. And so I started trying to figure out how my faith made more of a difference in my daily life. And I struggled with that for 30 years before we started follower of one. And so um, I believe that in my makeup is a lot of what's going on at follower of one, but follower of one is no more or less extravagant than whatever Jesus assigns to the next person. It may be that they're going to, and this is one of the things I don't want to talk down about anybody, but they do their job for 30 or 40 years and they provide for their family and they raise good kids and they do the things that make for a productive society. God calls each of us to different things. I've always felt like there was something else that he wanted me to do. But I think I know a lot of people that don't feel that way. And I, I can't say they're not searching or they're wrong or they haven't looked hard enough. So I have to believe that God has got this strategy that involves each of us in his extravagant plan. And I love that language mm. because it is an extravagant calling. Mm. I mean, he's, he's going to save millions of people and he wants three or four of someone's friends to know him so that that friend gets kind of confronted with the idea that following him changes your life. So, so, so while we're on the subject of, you know, powerful phrases and, um, and words, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about, and I, and I actually did this uh, with Zach Messler, who was uh, a recent guest on the podcast Mm -hmm. too. I think that was episode 51. I just dropped these, the same words I'm going to drop with you and and let's just kind of talk them through defiance and rebellion. Right. I, what do those words mean to you? And uh, how is it different than maybe others perceive those words? Because first of all, what's your reaction or what, what do you, what have you experienced as the reaction to those words? Um, well, you know, those are, those are great words. Defiance I see as just my own kind of slant on the definitions. I see defiance as being against something. Mm-hmm. And rebellion being for something. Okay, now um, that's a really simple, and that's a different definition than I've heard. I love that. Say it one more time. Defiance is so defiance is being against something. Okay, and rebellion is being for something. Oof. Um, when we so the 
I actually started a group back in 2009 that's kind of the precursor to Follower of One. And it was a leadership group called the Lead Change Group. And we, our little tagline was that we were trying to instigate a, a leadership revolution. Mm. And we, we enjoyed that we were part of a revolution. We were revolting, not against the way leadership is, but to try and get people to pay attention to the highest part of leadership. And so I heard in rebel, I hear the word revolt. I'm for something else. I'm not just against these people. Hmm. And that's was something that we always wanted to be. We wanted to be for this, for a particular thing, not against these other things. So it's, I think it's fair to say then, I think when, when many people that I have floated this to, whether it's in yeah. a group training or a one-on-one, uh, maybe it's just in a casual conversation over coffee mm-hmm. that most people hear those words and, and they only assign a negative connotation to them. Like, Oh yeah, you mm-hmm. don't want to do that. Don't, you don't want to be defiant, right? We think about kids mm-hmm. who are defiant in classrooms and things like that. Or we think about, uh, being rebellious as, as, uh, uh, just disturbing and disrupting mm-hmm. rules and processes and all those. And, and yet, I think from a from a scriptural standpoint, Jesus has called us at times to do that. It, and and not in a, you know, this is where the conversation could get tricky because not mm-hmm. in a way that would cause harm and hurt. Okay. Correct. But also in a way that is that is honest. And uh, you know, I, I think about like you know, anger as humans, we have the emotion of anger. Well, that was given to us. Jesus experienced Mm -hmm. anger, but to me, that's, that's where we, we tend to think of that. And and I think we miss the, the simpler way that you were looking at it, which is to say, I can be for something, not just against something. Um, But, but I think this is something in our, our culture right now that's happening is, is uh, defiance and rebellion are, um, I, I don't know that they're biblically and scripturally being um, part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I also I, that's um, we we may uh, we may spill over into something here that gets everybody else's eyes watering, but I think our world is uh, out to make Christians prove that they follow Jesus, and um, and so the parts of the world that are not kind of conformed to the image of Jesus, that are not pursuing Jesus, those parts of the world, they keep upping their game and forcing Christians to react differently in the culture. And the things that we did 50 years ago are a yawn, are there noise in the background now, and believers are being called to do different things in the Internet age, Mm -hmm. in the information world we're being called to be much more individually responsible for our own faith. I believe that's part of the reason why follower of one's time is now is because we need to be able to answer individually for ourselves, why we're different than everyone else and associate that with our faith. It's not that I go to church or that I know what Billy Graham said or something like that. Mm -hmm. I can, I speak about this for myself from my own, who I am. Hmm. Um, because the tactic from 50 years ago about telling someone, Oh, you're a sinner. And if you don't confess your sins, you're going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. That tactic it's worn off. It's not the tactic that works in the developed world anymore. That's very true. You how know? about in, how about in the workplace then? So if, how, how do I be productively tactfully, respectfully defiant in the workplace? How do I, or, or rebellious or whatever it is, because again, that, that sounds like that'll get you fired and in the wrong context, in the wrong you know response, absolutely it could, and maybe should. So what are some ways that we yeah. can use that uh, for, for the good? Well, it's like a continuum. I think one of the ways you can do it, for example, I talk about this. I don't do it as much as I should just because I talk with a lot of Christ followers every day now, but in, in the work world, we should ask permission before we bring our faith into a conversation. Mm. So if we haven't been invited and somebody asks us a question like, you know, what do you think about this political issue or something? Well, I have a perspective on that, but it's informed by the Bible. I mean, are you okay with me sharing that? Mm-hmm. 
And if they're not, then respecting that. I think part of the problem that people have with Christians in the world is we don't act like we believe in a God who has everything under control. Right. We act like we believe we have to protest and we have to do all these other things. Guilty. I'm raising my hand. I, I mean, for, for sure, that's a convicting statement you made. Well, it convicts me too, right? Because there are things that I can't fix everything. And so what I choose to, to take action on in some regard is always a little convicting. Hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why my job is to ask Jesus for a stack of bills every day. What do you want me to do today? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, am I supposed to go uh, protest some government thing or complain about something on Facebook or those kinds of things, right? Or can I ask Jesus and he says, no, you ought to write a letter to this friend and you ought to call this person and ask them how they're doing. And you ought to pray for these people. Make some time to pray today, Mike. Act like you believe that the world won't stop if you stop and pray. Mm. You know? That's that's solid. You know, some of the things that were coming to mind, um, just staying in this vein of of rebel, uh, rebelliousness or defiance at the workplace. Uh, some positive and and powerful ways that I've seen this actually work is when people challenge status quo. Okay. That Mm -hmm. doesn't always work. If the, if the culture is you don't challenge the status quo here and you're constantly doing it, you're going to feel out of place. You you are probably putting yourself at risk, but if the culture was actually, and leadership is actually behind, Hey, we can challenge status quo. We want you to take smart risks here. We don't want you to take silly, careless, stupid, dangerous risks. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we want you to take a calculated risk. We're going to try things and we're going to have failures. Uh, we're going to ask the powerful questions of why are we doing it this way? Is there a better way? That's one of my favorite questions to ask. And I think mm-hmm. that that when you're talking about from a core value standpoint or, or the behavior standpoint, then it's kind of like around innovation. How do we continue to advance? How do we continue to improve? Yeah. You know, we're getting our tail kicked over here by this competitor. Well, the, the good thing about that is, is that that forces you to get better with them, right? There's no mm-hmm. winning in it. It's like Simon Sinek would say it's in the infinite game. He's going to talk about, are we leading or are we trailing? Because yeah. business really doesn't have an end like a, a sports game does. But, um, but I think those are the things that, that I also look at. And from a faith-based, a Christian standpoint, anytime that we're going to challenge status quo, anytime that we're going to ask what if questions and is there a better way to do this, there is a way to do it that that is honoring God and there's a way to do it that's dishonoring to God. And it, that's one of the things that that was troubling for me. I talked about not coming to faith until I was 33. It was because I was still immature, big piece of that, like 90% of that. But but I, I was looking at it from people that I had been uh in my life that professed to know Jesus personally, you know, talked mm-hmm. about God a lot around me, but then they were doing things that I, who, who wasn't a follower of God at the time was like, you know what, if that's what it is, I don't want to be that. Yeah. You know, and I always, I think for a long time, that was a difficult thing for me to reconcile. I think that today there are churches and friends that, you know, (laughs) think that there's pieces about Christianity that are just non-negotiable and I'm going, I'm not too sure about that. Sure. So, you know, it's, um, I, I love the fact that God's open to the variety. Um, but the other piece that I believe we tend to do is we tend to inflate our position, our importance in an organization, our um, what we think someone else should do tends to operate a, a notch or two or more above us on the org chart. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about what my boss should do instead of trying to help the guy who's beneath me on the org chart or trying to make sure that I'm mm. serving others better. I think often the, the road of, uh, you know, I want to be a good employee. That was my point. I wanted people to be value. They wanted to derive value from what I was doing in my job. And, but I made some mistakes. I mean, you don't get laid off three times and fired twice without making some mistakes. Sure. But, um, you know, you learn from those and you move on. Absolutely. And um, it's, it's I, our challenge, I believe, is going to be to take Jesus's answer for things, which is the servant's path, 
not the leader's path. Now, I'm not telling people to not lead. The name of our organization is called Follower of One because we influence other people by our actions. And if we're following Jesus, then we start leading and influencing other people just by the way that we get out of the car in the morning. Hmm. I mean, it just, that's the way he's made the world work. And so, um, but we don't have to jump to the leadership seat all the time. He even talked about one of the parables, don't take the seat of honor at the table. And then the host has to ask you to move down when the, when the, when the big name gets there, right? Take the seat at the end of the table and make the host bring you up. And so that's what I think we need to do as believers is take the seat at the end of the table. Yeah. And yeah. not expect to be brought up all the time, but rather let's just, and I'm preaching to myself a little bit, but because I don't, there's a lot of things I don't want to do. And I probably ought to do six or eight of them today. <laughs> I gotcha. You know? Well, as we kind of, you know, turn the tables here and start to wind yeah. down this episode. Uh, I would love for you to tell uh, tell us a little bit more about Follower of One. Like, who is it for? Who should yeah. who should attend? You know, what what are what are the expectations that I would have uh, as being a member of Follower of One? What are some sure. of the things that I can expect as benefits from that? Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Follower One is an online community. We want to support Christians in the workplace. You know, most overseas missionaries have support organizations. But the ones who stay here, their support organization is the church. I just want to help the local church through Follower of One. We want to help by connecting people by occupation or industry. And so my dream is, is that one day we will have a group of salespeople and a group of truck drivers and a group of each different kinds of occupation of being believers who help one another live their faith on a daily basis. We also do this thing called a marketplace mission trip where we challenge people to go to their own job like they're going on an overseas mission trip. It's a two-week experience. It's just a series of devotionals, but it happens on a schedule. So you do it with a group of other people. And we have Zoom calls periodically throughout that two-week period where we talk about what's going on. We want to be the lab. We want to help people mm. practice living their faith today. And you know what, if you screwed up today, cool thing about this is you get another shot again tomorrow. And so, you know, it all came out of my belief that I wanted God to put me into ministry, but it wasn't going to happen today. So what can I do today? And the first answer was, well, you can start praying for people. Hmm. And so, you know, it just all came from that. Followerof1.org is our website. Okay. Uh, the online community is community.followerof1.org, but you can get to it from the homepage. You can create a free profile in there and you can take the marketplace mission trip at no charge. Mm -hmm. People donate to pay this forward. And at the end of the mission trip, we will ask you what you thought. We'll ask you to stick around in the online community and we'll ask you to consider becoming a donor so that other people can take it for free because our job is to just mobilize us and get us going. And um, I'm available all the time. I'm really enjoying the fact that um, while I'm spending some of my retirement now, I hope I'm doing it while I'm young enough to remember what I did with it. But <laughs> sure, yeah. I, I, I can't not make money forever. We're trying to fund the ministry. Yeah. And our goal is to just raise these individual contributions to where it pays for the team and the staff that we have. We have uh, several friends who are volunteering a lot of hours right now to help make all this work, the mission trips and the other things that we do. We have a podcast as well. And uh, what's the, what's so the you, name of your podcast, Mike? It's called the follower of one podcast. I'm not a terribly creative guy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a daily five minute devotional, just kind mm -hmm. of challenging us to go to work today and just, you know, see today as ministry opportunity. Well, you and are, you are really good on that. I mean, you, you, I have been listening to it and it's uh it, it is, it's, it's a quick soundbite. It, it's a, something that's going to get you thinking. It's going to keep you calibrated, you know, and that's to me is a really strong word is that it keeps me calibrated in line yeah, with Jesus, you know, yeah, uh, because otherwise I'm not that calibrated. I go my own way. <laughs> uh, I try and use the word today at the four minute mark. 
so that it ends around five minutes and you got an idea for something you can do today. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'll have links to your podcast. We'll have links to follower of one website in the community. Uh, How should people, what's the best way for people to, to get uh, in contact with you? Uh, Probably either LinkedIn or email. I'm Mike Henry senior on LinkedIn and I'm Mike at follower of one.org by email. Just shoot me a note. Uh, I love to connect with people and I do want to help all of us. Uh, Our goal for every web property we have, everything we do is that people would look at that and go, Oh, I can do that. And we see that we can get, we can engage more of our faith into everything that we do. What's something as we end now, uh, put you on the hot seat just a little bit. What's one thing that would be a great takeaway for anyone who's made it through the episode they're listening um, what's a, what's a, a tip or what's a devotion? What's something that's coming to mind right now that you would just leave us with as, as we sign off here? Well, I was thinking about how you like to talk about culture and we haven't talked a ton about how all this impacts the culture, Yeah, but this is the piece of the culture of any organization that we fully control. Hmm. And so we can actually bring our best game to creating the best culture in our workplace by making sure that we're getting taking our direction from Jesus. It's got to create the least toxic, most beneficial workplace that we could work. And so I think this is also ties into the whole culture message that you have about this is our job as individuals. You can be in the bottom of the org chart and still make a positive impact on your organization's culture today by just checking in with Jesus and getting a stack of bills from him and going to work. That's awesome. And I couldn't agree more. Mike, thank you. And we will catch all of you on the next episode of Lead Through Values. Make it a great week.